The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, continuing the story of The Hobbit. Chapter 6 The King of the Golden Hall They rode on through sunset and slow dusk and gathering night, when at last they halted and dismounted, even Argon was stiff and weary. Gandalf only allowed them a few hours rest. Legolas and Gimli slept, and Argon lay flatly, lay flat, stretched upon his back. But Gandalf stood, leaning on his staff, gazing into the darkness, darkness east and west. All was silent, and there was no sign or sound of living thing. The night was bared, barred with long clouds, fleeting on a chill wind when they arose again. Under the cold moon they went on once more, as swift as by the light of day. Hours passed, and they still rode on. Gimli nodded and would have fallen from his seat if Gandalf had not clutched and shaken him. Hasu fell in a rod, weak but proud, followed their tireless leader, a gray shadow before them hardly to be seen. The miles went by, the waxing moon sank into the cloudy west. A bitter chill came into the air. Slowly in the east, the dark faded to a cold gray. Red shafts of light leapt above the black walls of the Emin mule far away upon their left. Dawn came clear and bright. A wind swept across their path, rushing through the bent grasses. Suddenly, Shadowfax stood and stood still and neighed. Gandalf pointed ahead. Look, he cried, and they lifted their tired eyes. Before them stood the mountains of the south, white-tipped and streaked, streaked with black. The grasslands rolled against the hills that clustered at their feet and flowed up into the many valleys still dim and dark, untouched by light of dawn, winding their way into the heart of the great mountains. Immediately before the travelers, the widest of the glens opened and opened like a long gulf among the hills. Far inward they glimpsed, and they, tumble, they glimpsed a tumbled mountain mass with one tall peak. At the mouth of the vale there stood a sentinel, a lonely height. About its feet there flowed, as a thread of silver, the stream that issued from the dale. Upon its brow they caught, still far away, a glint in the rising sun, a glimmer of gold. Speak, Legolas, said Gandalf. Tell us what you see there before us. Legolas gazed ahead, shading his eyes from the level shafts of the new-risen sun. I see a white stream that comes down from the snow, he said. Where it issues from the shadow of the vale, a green hill rises upon the east. A dike and a, a dike and mighty wall and thorny fence encircle it. Within there rise the roofs of houses, and there in the midst, set upon a green terrace, there stands aloft a great hall of men, and it seems to my eyes that it is, that it is thatched with gold. The light of it shines far over my land. Golden, too, are the posts of its doors. There are men in the bright mail stand, but all else within the courts are, are yet asleep. Adoras, those courts are called, said Gandalf. In Medus led is the golden hall. There dwells Theoden, son of Thango, king of the Mark of Rohan. We are come, we are come with the rising of day, of the day. Now the road lies plain to see before us, but we must ride more warily, for war is abroad. In the royal rim, the horse lords do not sleep, even if it seems, even if it seems so from afar. Draw no weapon, speak no haughty word. I counsel you all until we are come before Theoden's seat. The morning was bright and clear about them, and birds were singing when the travelers came to the stream. It ran down swiftly into the plain, and beyond the feet of the hills turned across their path in a wide bend, flowing away east to find the Entwash far off in its reed-choked beds. The land was green in the wet meads, and along the grass borders of the stream grew many willow trees. Or already in the southern land they were blushing red at their fingertips, feeling the approach of spring. Over the stream there was a ford between low banks, much trampled by the passage of horses. The travelers passed over and came upon a wide rutted track leading towards the uplands. At the foot of the walled hill the the ray the way ran under the shadow of they ran under the shadow of many mounds, high and green. Upon their western sides the grass was white as with a drifted snow. Small flowers sprang like small flowers sprang there like countless stars amid the turf. Look, said Gandalf, how far are the bright eyes in the grass? Ever mind they are called Simbelmine in this land of men, for they blossom in all the seasons of the year, and grow where dead men rest. Behold, we are come to the great barrels where the signs of Theoden sleep. Seven mounds upon the left and nine upon the right, said Aragorn. Many long lives of men it is since the golden 
since the Golden Hall was built. 500 times have the red leaves fallen in Merkwood in my home since then, said Legolas, but, and a, and but a little while does that seem to us. But to the riders of the market seems so long ago, said Aragorn, that the raising of this house is but a memory of song and the years before are lost in the mist of time. Now they call this land their home, their own, and their speech is sundered from the northern kin. Then he began to chant softly in a slow tongue unknown to the elf and dwarf. Yet they listened, for there was a strong music in it. That, I guess, is the language of the royal room, said the glass, for it is like to, for it is like to this land itself, rich and rolling in part, and else hard and stern as the mountains. But I cannot guess what it means, save that it is laden with sadness of mortal men. It runs thus in common speech, said Argorn, as near as I can make it. Where now the horse and the rider? Where is the horn that was blowing? Where is the helm and the hauberk and the bright hair flowing? Where is the hand on the harp string and the red fire glowing? Where is the spring and the harvest and the tall car corn growing? They have passed like rain on the mountain, like a wind in the meadow. The days have gone in the west behind the hills into shadow. Who shall gather the smoke of the dead wood burning, or behold the flowing years from the sea returning? Thus spoke a forgotten poet long in Rohan, recalling how tall and fair the eol how fair was Eorl the young, who rode down out of the north, and there were wings upon the feet of his steed, Thelara, father of horses, so men still sing in the evening. With these words the travelers passed the silent mounds, following the winding way up the green shoulders of the hills. They, they came at last to the wide wind-swept walls and the gates of Eodras. Eodras. There was there sat many men in bright mail who sprang at once to their feet and barred them barred the way with spears. Stay, strangers here unknown, they cried in tongue of of the Rittermark, demanding the names and errands of the strangers. Wonder was in their eyes, but a little friendliness but little friendliness, and they looked darkly upon Gandalf. Well, do I understand your speech? he answered in the same language, yet few strangers do. Why then do you not speak in the common tongue, as it is custom in the West, if you wish to be answered? It is the will of Theoden that none should enter his gates, save those who know our tongue and our friends, replied one of the guards. None are welcome here in days of war but our own folk, and those that come from Munberg in the land of Gondor. Who are you that come heedless over the plain, thus strangely clad, riding horses like to our own horse horses? Long have we kept guard here, and we have watched you from afar. Never have we seen other riders so strange, nor any horse more proud than is one of the these that bear you. He is one of the miras, unless our eyes are cheated by some spell. Say, are you not a wizard, some spy from Saruman, or phantoms of his craft? Speak now and be swift. We are no phantoms, said Aragorn, nor do your eyes cheat you, for indeed these are our own horses that we ride, and you know well... Ere you axed, I guess, but seldom does the thief ride home to the stable. Here are has you fell in Erad, that Eomer, the third marshal of the mark, lent to us only two days ago. We bring them back now, even as we promised him. He was not Eomer, then returned and given warning of our coming. He troubled till a troubled look came into the guard's eyes. Of Eomer I have not to say, he answered. If what you tell me is truth, then I doubt, then doubtless Theoden will have heard it. Maybe your coming was not wholly unlooked for. It is but two nights ago that Worm Tongue came for, to us and said, By the will of Theoden, no stranger should pass these gates. Worm Tongue, said Gandalf, looking sharply at the guard, Say no more. My errand is not to Worm Tongue, but to the Lord of the Mark himself. I am in haste. Will you not go or send to say that we are come? His eyes glinted under his deep brow as he bent his gaze upon the man. Yes, I will go, he answered slowly, but what name shall I report? And what shall I say of you, old and weary you seem now, and yet you are f and yet you are fell and grim beneath, I deem. Well do you see and speak for the wizard, for I am Gandalf, I have returned, and behold, I bring back to, I too bring back a horse. Here is Shadowfax the Great, whom no other hand can tame, and here beside me is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, the king, the heir of kings, and it is to Mundberg that he goes. Here are Legolas, the elf, and Gimli the dwarf, our comrades. 
Go now and say to your master that we are at his gates and would have speak with and would have speech with him if he will permit us to come into his hall. Strange names you give indeed, but I will report them as you bid and learn my master's will, said the guard. Wait here a little while, and I will bring you such answer as seems good to him. Do not hope too much. These are dark days. He went swiftly away, leaving the strangers in the watchful keeping of his comrades. After some time he returned. Follow me, he said. Theodon gives you leave to enter, but any weapons that you bear, be it only a staff, you must leave on the threshold. The door wardens will keep them. The dark gates were swung open. The travelers entered, walking and followed behind their guard. They found a broad path, paved with hewn stones, now winding upward, now climbing in short flights of well-laid steps. Many houses built of wood and many dark doors they passed. Beside the way on a stone channel, a stream of clear water flowed, sparkling and chattering. At length they came to a crown of the hill. There stood a high platform above a green terrace, at the foot of which a bright spring gushed from a stone carved in the likeness of a horse's head. Beneath was a wide basin from which the water spilled and fed the falling stream. Up the green terrace went a stair of stone, high and broad, and on either side of the topmost step were stone-hewn seats. There sat other guards with drawn swords laid upon their knees. Their golden hair was braided on their shoulders. The sun was blazoned upon their green shields. Their long corslets were burnished bright, and when they rose taller, they seemed then, they seemed then mortal men. There are the doors before you, said the guide. I must return now to my duty at the gate. Farewell, and may the Lord of the Mark be gracious to you. He turned and went swiftly back down the road. The others climbed a long stair under the eyes of the tall watchman. Silent they stood now above and spoke no word, until Gandalf stepped out upon the paved terrace at the stair's head. Then suddenly, with clear voices, they spoke a courteous greeting in their own tongue. Hail, comers from afar, they said and they turned the hilts of their swords towards the travelers in token of peace. Green gems flashed in the sunlight. Then one of the guards stepped forward and spoke in the common speech. I am the doorward of Theoden, he said. Hama is my name. Here I must bid you lay aside your weapons before you enter. Then Legolas gave into his hand his silver-hafted knife, his quiver, and his bow. Keep these well, he said, for they come from the golden wood, and the lady of Lothlorien gave them to me. Wonder came into the man's eyes, and he laid the weapons hastily by the wall, as if he feared to handle them. No man will touch them, I promise you, he said. Aragorn stood a while hesitating. It is not my will, he said, to put aside my sword or to, or to deliver Andriel to the hand of any other man. man. It is the will of Theoden, said Hama. It is not clear to me that the will of Theoden, son of Thengel, even though he be lord of the Mark, should prevail over the will of Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Elendil's heir of Gondor. This is the house of Theoden, not of Aragorn, even were he king of Gondor and the sea of Denethor, said Hama, stepping swiftly before the doors and barring the way. His sword was now in his hand in the point towards the strangers. This is idle talk, said Gandalf. Needless is Theoden's demand, but it is useless to refuse. The king will have his way in his own hall, be it folly or wisdom. Truly, said Aragorn, and I would do as a master of the house bade me, were this only a woodman, a woodman's cot, if I bore now any sword but Andrew. Whatever its name may be, said Hama, here you shall lay it, if you would not fight alone against all men in Edoras. Edoras. Not alone, said Gimli, fingering the blade of his axe and looking darkly up at the guard, as if as if he were a young tree that Gimli had mind to fell. Not alone. Come, come, said Gandalf. We are all friends here, or should be, for the laughter of Mordor will be our only reward if we quarrel. My errand is pressing. Here at least is my sword, good man Hama. Keep it well. Glamdring is it is called, for the elves made it long ago. Now let me pass. Come, Aragorn. Slowly, Aragorn unbuckled his belt and, him and himself set his sword upright against the wall. Here I set it, he said, but I command you not to touch it nor to permit any other to lay, any other to lay hand on it. In this elvish sheath dwells the blade that was broken and has been made again. Telchar first wrought it in the deeps of time. Death shall come to any man that draws Elendil's sword, save Elendil's heir. 
The guard stepped back and looked with amazement on Aragorn. It seems that you are come on the wings of song out of the forgotten days, he said. It shall be, Lord, as you command. Well, said Gimli, if it has Andrew to keep it company, my ox may stay here too without shame. And he laid it on the floor. Now then, if all is as you wish, let us go and speak with your master. The guard still hesitated. Your staff, he said to Gandalf. Forgive me, but that must... But that too must be left at the doors. Foolishness, said Gandalf. Prudence is one thing, but dis discourtesy is another. I am old. If I may not lean on my stick as I go, then I will sit out here until it pleases Theoden to hop out himself to speak with me. Argon laughed. Every man has something too dear to trust to another. But would you part an old man from his support? Come, will you not let us enter? The staff in the hand of a wizard may be more than a prop for age, said Hama. He looked hard at the ash staff of which Gandalf leaned. Yet in, doubt of, yet in doubt a man of worth will trust to his own wisdom. I believe you are friends and folk worthy of honor, who have no evil purpose. You may go in. The guards now lifted the heavy bars of the doors and swung them slowly inwards on their great hinges. The travelers entered. Inside it seemed dark and warm after the clear air upon the hill. The hall was long and wide and filled with shadows and half-lights. Mighty pillars upheld its lofty roof. But here and there bright sunbeams and glimmering shafts from the eastern windows high under the deep eaves. Though the lover in the roof, above the thin wisps of issuing smoke, the sky showed pale and blue. As their eyes changed, the travelers perceived that the floor was paved with stones of many hues, Branching runes and strange devices intertwined beneath their feet. They now, they saw now that the pillars were richly carved, gleaming dully with gold and half-seen colors. Many woven cloths were hanging upon the walls, and over their wide, wide spaces marched figures of ancient legend, some dim with years, some darkling in the shade. But upon one form the sunlight fell, a young man upon a white horse, he was blowing a great horn, and his yellow hair was flying in the wind. The horse's head was lifted, and its nostrils were wide and red as it neighed, smelling battle afar. Foaming water, green and white, rushed and curled about its knees. Behold, you are all of the young, said Argorn. Thus he rode out of the north to the battle of the field of Celebrant. Now the four companions went forward, past the clear wood fire burning upon the long hearse in the midst of the hall. Then they halted. At the far end of the house beyond the hearth and facing north towards the doors was a dais, dais with three steps, and in the middle of the dais was a great gilded chair. Upon it sat a man so bent with age that he seemed almost a dwarf, but his white hair was long and thick and fell in great braids from beneath a thin golden circlet set upon his brow. In the center upon his forehead shone a single white diamond. His beard was laid like snow upon his knees, but his eyes still burned with a bright light, glinting as he gazed at the strangers. Behind his chair stood a woman clad in white. At his feet, upon the steps, sat a wizened figure of a man, with a pale, wise face and heavy-lidded eyes. There was silence. The old man did not move in his chair. At length, Gandalf spoke. Hail, Theoden, son of Thangal. Thangal. I have returned, for behold, the storm comes, and now all friends gather together, lest each singly be destroyed. Slowly the old man rose to his feet, leaning heavily upon a short black staff with a handle of white bone, and now the stranger saw that, bent though he was, he was still tall, and must in youth have been high and proud indeed. I greet you, he said, and maybe you look for welcome, but truth to tell your welcome is doubtful here, Master Gandalf. You have ever been a herald of woe. Troubles follow you like crows, and ever the oftener the worse. I would not deceive you. When I heard that Shadowfax had come back to come back riderless, I rejoiced at the return of the horse, but still more at the lack of the rider. And when Eomer brought the tidings that you had gone at last to your long home, I did not mourn. But news from afar seldom sooth. Here you come again. And with you comes evils worse than before, as might be expected. Why should I welcome you, Gandalf Stormcrow? Tell me that. Slowly he sat down again in his chair. You speak justly, Lord, said the pale man sitting upon the steps of the dais. 
It is not yet five days since the bitter tidings came that Theodred, your son, was slain upon the west marches, your right hand, second marshal of the mark. In Eomer there is little trust. Few men would be left to guard your walls if he had been allowed to rule, and even now we learn from Gondor that the dark water is stirring in the east. Such is the hour in which the wanderer chooses to return. Why indeed should we welcome you, Master Stormcrow? Lath spell I name you ill news, and ill news is an ill guest, they say. He laughed grimly as he lifted his heavy lids for a moment and gazed on the strangers with dark eyes. <sighs> you are held wise, my friend, warm tongue, and are doubtless a great support to your master, answered Gandalf in a soft voice. Yet in two ways may a man come with evil tidings. He may be a worker of evil, or he may be such as leaves well alone and comes only to bring aid in some in, in time of need. That is so, said Wormtongue, but there is a third kind, pickers of bones, meddlers in other men's sorrows, carrion fowl that grow fat on war. What aid have you ever brought, Stormcrow, and what aid do you bring now? It was aid from us that you sought last time that you were here. Then my lord bade you chose any horse that you would and be gone, and to wonder of all you took shadow facts and your insolence. My lord was sorely grieved, sorely grieved, yet to some it seemed that to speed you from the land the price was not too great. I guess that it is likely to turn out the same once more. You will seek aid rather than render it. Do you bring men? Do you bring horses, swords, spears? That I would call aid. That is our present need. But who are those, who are these that follow at your tail? Three ragged wanderers in gray, and you yourself, the the most beggar-like of the four. The courtesy of your hall is somewhat lessened of late, Theoden, son of Thengel, said Gandalf. Has not the messenger from your gate reported the names of my companions? Seldom has any lord of Rohan received three such guests. Weapons they have laid at your doors, that are worth many a mortal man, even the mightiest. Grey is their raiment, for the elves clad them, and thus they have passed through the shadow of great peril to your hall. Then it is true, as Eomber reported, that you are in league with the sorceress of the Golden Wood, said Wormtongue. It is not to be wondered at, webs of deceit if were ever worn in Dwemerdeen. Gimli strode a pace forward, but felt suddenly the hand of Gandalf clutch him by the shoulders and he halted, standing stiff as stone. In Dimwin, in Dimwardeen, in Lorien, seldom have walked the feet of men. Few mortal eyes have seen the light that lies there ever long and bright. Galadriel, Galadriel, clear is the water of your well. Why is the star in your right hand? Unmarred, unstained, is leaf and land in Dimwardeen, in Lorien, more fair than the thoughts of mortal men. Thus Gandalf softly sang, and then suddenly he changed, casting his tattered cloak aside. He stood up and leaned no longer on his staff, and he spoke in a clear, cold voice. The wise speak only of what they know, Grimma, son of Galmond. A, a, a witless worm you have, have you become. Therefore be silent, and keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a serving man with a serving man till the lightning falls. He raised his staff, there was a roll of thunder, the sunlight was blotted out from the eastern windows, the whole hall became suddenly dark as night, the fire faded to sullen amber embers, only Gandalf could be seen, standing white and tall before the blackened hearth. In the gloom they heard the hiss of Wormtongue's voice. Did I not counsel you, Lord, to forbid his staff? That fool, Hama, has betrayed us. There was a flash as if lightning had cloven the roof. Then all was silent. Wormtongue sprawled on his face. Now, Theoden, son of Thengal, will you hearken to me? said Gandalf. Do you ask for help? He lifted his staff and pointed to a high window. There the darkness seemed to clear, and through the opening could be seen high and far a patch of shining sky. Not all is dark. Take courage, Lord of the Mark, for better help you will not find. No counsel have I to give to those that despair. Yet counsel I could give, and words I could speak to you. Will you hear them? They are not for all ears. I bid you, I bid you come out before your doors and look abroad. 
Too long have you sat in shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. Slowly Theoden left his chair. A faint light grew in the hall again. The woman hastened, hastened to the king's side, taking his arm, and with faltering steps the old man came down from the dais and paced softly through the hall. Wormtongue remained lying on the floor. They came to the doors and Gandalf knocked. Open, he cried. The Lord of the Mark comes forth. The doors rolled back and a keen air came whistling in. A wind was blowing on the hill. Send your guards down to the stairs foot, said Gandalf. And you, lady, leave him a while with me. I will take care for him. Go, you and you and sister and daughter, said the king, said the old king. The time for fear is past. The women turned the woman turned and went slowly into the house. As she passed the door, she turned and looked back. Grave and thoughtful was her glance, as she looked on the king with cool pity in her eyes. Very fair was her face, and her long hair was like a river of gold. Slender and tall she was in her white robe, girt with silver. Girt with silver, but strong she seemed and stern as steel, a daughter of kings. Thus Aragorn, for the first time in the full light of the day, beheld beheld Ewan, Lady of Rohan, and thought her fair, fair and cold, like a morning of pale spring that is not yet come to womanhood. And she now was suddenly aware of him, tall heir of kings, wise with many winters, gray cloaked, hiding apart that yet she felt. For a moment still as she as stone she stood, then turning swiftly she was gone. Now, Lord, said Gandalf, look out upon your land, breathe the free air again. From the porch upon the top of the high terrace they could see beyond the stream the green fields of Rohan fading into distant gray. Curtains of wind-blown rain were slanting down. The sky above and to the west was still dark with thunder, and lightning far away flickered among the tops of hidden hills. But the wind had shifted to the north, and already the storm that had come out of the east was receding, rolling away southward to the sea. Suddenly, through a rent in the clouds behind them, a shaft of sun stabbed down. The falling showers gleamed like silver, and far away the rain glittered like a shimmering glass. It is not so dark here, said Theoden. No, said Gandalf, nor does the age lie so heavily on your shoulders as, as some would have you think. Cast aside your prop. From the king's hand, the black staff fell clattering on the stones. He drew himself up slowly, as a man that is stiff from long bending over in some dull toil. Now tall and straight he stood, and his eyes were blue as he looked into the opening sky. Dark have been my dreams of late, he said, but I feel as one of one new awakened. I would know I would now that you had come before Gandalf, for I fear that already you have come too late, only to see the last days of my house. Not long now shall stand the high t hall which Brigo, son of Eero, built. Fire shall devour the high seat. What is to be done? Much, said Gandalf, but first send for Eomer. Do, do I not guess rightly that you ha hold him prisoner by the counsel of Grima, of him that all save you true the worm tongue? It is true, said Theoden. He had rebelled against my commands and threatened death to Grima in my hall. A man may love you and yet not love Wormtongue or his counsel, said Gandalf. That may be. I will do as you ask. Call Hama to me, since he proved untrustworthy as a doorward. Let him become an errand runner. The guilty shall bring the guilty to judgment, said Theoden, and his voice was grim. Yet he looked at Gandalf and smiled as he did so many lines of care were smoothed away and did not return. When Hama had been summoned and had gone, Gandalf led Theoden to a stone seat, and then set himself before the king upon the topmost stair. Aragorn and his companions stood nearby. There is no time to tell out, tell all what you should hear, said Gandalf. And it is my yet it, yet if my hope is not cheated, a time will come ere long where I can speak more fully. Behold, you are you are come into a peril greater than even the wit of warm tongue could weave into your dreams. But see, you dream no longer. You live. Gondor and Rohan do not stand alone. The enemy is strong beyond our reckoning, yet we have a hope at which she has not guessed. Quickly now Gandalf spoke. 
His voice was low and secret, and none save the king heard what he said. But ever as he spoke, the light shone brighter in Theoden's eyes, and at the last he rose from his seat to his full height, and Gandalf beside him, and together they, together they looked out from the high place towards the east. Verily, said Gandalf, now in a live voice, keen and clear, that way lies our hope, where sits our greatest fear. Doom hangs still on a thread, yet hope there is still, if we can but stand unconquered for a little while. The others, too, now turned their eyes eastward, over the sundering leagues of land. Far away they gazed to the edge of sight, and hope and fear bore their thoughts still on, beyond dark mountains to the land of shadow. Where now was the ring bearer? How thin, indeed, was the thread upon which doom still hung? It seemed to Legolas, as he strained his far-seeing eyes, that he caught a glint of light. Far away, perchance, the sun twinkled on a pinnacle of the Tower of Guard. And further still, endlessly remote, and yet a present threat, there was a tiny tongue of flame. Slowly Theoden sat down again, as if weariness still struggled to master him against his will of Gandalf. He turned and looked at he turned and looked at his great house. Alas, he said, these evil days should be mine, and should come in my old age instead of that peace which I have earned. Alas for Bormir, the brave, the young perish and the old linger withering. He clutched his knees with his wrinkled hands. Your fingers would remember their old strength better if they grasped a sword hilt, said Gandalf. Theoden rose and put his hand to his side, but no sword hung at his belt. Theoden rose and put his hand to his side, but no sword hung at his belt. Where is Groom stowed it? he muttered under his breath. Take this, dear lords, to the clear voice. It was ever at your service. Two men had come softly up the stair and stood now a few steps from the top. Eomer was there. No helm was on his head, no mail was on his breast, but in his hand he held a drawn sword, and as he knelt he offered the hilt to his master. How comes this? said Theoden sternly. He turned towards Eomer, and the men looked in wonder at him, standing now proud and erect. Where was the old man whom they left crouching in his chair or leaning on his stick? It is my doing, lord, said Hama, trembling. I understood that Eomer was to be set free. Such joy was in my heart that maybe I have erred. Yet since he was free again, and he a marshal of the mark, I brought him his sword as he bade me. To lay at your feet, my lord, said Eomer. For a moment of silence, Theoden stood looking down at Eomer as he knelt before him. Neither moved. Will you not take the sword, said Gandalf? Slowly Theoden stretched forth his hands. As his fingers took the hilt, it seemed to the watchers, watchers that firmness and strength returned to his thin arm. Suddenly he lifted the blade and swung it shimmering and whistling in the air. Then he gave a great cry. His voice rang clear as he chanted in the tongue of Rohan a call to arms. Arise now, arise, riders of Theoden. Dire deeds awake, dark is eastward. Let horse be bridled, horn be sounded. Fourth earling, Yorlin gas. Fourth Yorlin gas. The guards, thinking they, they were summoned, sprang up the stair. They looked at their lord in amazement, and then, as one man, they drew their swords and laid them at his feet. Command us, they said. Wash to Theoden Hall, cried Eomer. It is a joy to us to see you return into your own. Never again shall it be said, Gandalf, that you come only with grief. Take back your sword, Eomer, sister's son, said the king. Go, Hama, and seek my own sword. Grima has it in his keeping. Bring him to me also. Now, Gandalf, you said that you had counsel to give if I would hear it. What is your counsel? You have yourself already taken it, answered Gandalf. To put your trust in Eomer rather than in a man of crooked mind. To cast aside regret and fear. To do the deed at hand. Every man that, that ride... Every man that can ride should be sent west at once, as Eomer counseled you. We must first destroy the threat of Saruman while we have time. If we fail, we fall. If we succeed, then we will face the next task. Meanwhile, your people that are left, the women and the children and the old, should fly to the refugees refugees that, that you have in the mountains. Were they not prepared against just an evil day as this? Let them take provision, but delay not, nor burden themselves with treasures, great or small. It is their lives that are at stake. 
This council seems good to me now, said Theoden. Let all my folk get ready. But you, my guest, truly said, truly you said, Gandalf, that the courtesy of my hall is lessened. You have ridden through the night, and the morning wears away. You have had neither sleep nor food. A guest house shall be made ready. There you shall sleep when you have eaten. Nay, lord, said Aragorn, there is no rest yet for the weary. The men of Rohan must ride forth today, and we will ride with them, axe, sword, and bow. We do not bring them to rest against your wall, lord of the mark. And I promised Eomer that my sword and his sword should be drawn together. Now, indeed, there is hope for victory, said Eomer. Hope, yes, said Gandalf, but Isengard is strong, and other perils draw even ever nearer. Do not delay, Theoden, when we are gone. Lead your people swiftly to the hold of Don Haro and the hills. Nay, Gandalf, said the king, you do not know your own skill in healing. It shall not be so. I myself will go to war, to fall in the front of the battle, if it must be. Thus I shall sleep better. Then even the defeat of Rohan will be glorious in song, said Aragorn. The armed men that stood near clashed their weapons, crying, The Lord of the Mark will ride, forth your lingas. But your people must not be unarmed with shepherdless. And shepherdless, said Gandalf, who shall guide them and govern them in your place? I would take thought for that ere I go, said, answered Theoden. Here comes my counselor. At that moment, Hama came again from the hall. Behind him, cringing between two other men, came Grimma, the warm tongue. His face was very white. His eyes blinked in the sunlight. Hama knelt with... Helma knelt and presented to Theoden a long sword and a scabbard clasped, clasped with gold and set with green gems. Here, Lord, is her you, Grim, your ancient blade, he said. It was found in his chest. Loth was he to render up the keys. Many other things are there which men have missed. You lie, said Wormtongue, and this sword your master himself gave into my keeping. And now he requires, requires it of you again, said Theoden. Does that displease you? Assuredly not, Lord, said Wormtongue. I care for you and yours as best I may, but do not weary yourself or tax so heavily your strength. Let others deal with those with these irksome guests. Your meat is about to be set on the board. Will you not go to it? I will, said Theoden, and let food for my guests be set on the board as beside me. The host rides today. Send the heralds forth. Let them summon all who dwell nigh. Every man and strong glad, able to bear arms, all who have horses, let them be ready in the saddle at the gate ere the second hour from noon. Dear Lord, cried Bormtongue, it is as I feared. This wizard has bewitched you. Are none to be left to defend the golden hall of your fathers and all your treasure? None to guard the Lord of the Mark? If this is bewitchment, said Theoden, it seems to me more wholesome than your whisperings. Your leechcraft ere long would have had me walking on all fours, all fours like a beast. No, not one shall be left, not even Grimma. Grimma shall ride too. Go, you have yet time to clean the rest from your sword. Mercy, Lord, whined Wormtongue, groveling on the ground. Have pity on one worn out in your service. Send me not from your side. I at least will stand by you when all others have gone. Do not send your faithful Grimma away. You have my pity, said Theoden, and I do not send you from my side. I go myself to war with my men. I bid you come with me and prove your faith. Wormtongue looked from face to face. In his eyes was the hunted look of a beast seeking some gap in the ring of his enemies. He licked his lips with a long, pale tongue. Such a result might be expected from the lord of the house of Eero, old though he, old though he be, he said. But those who truly love him would spare his failing years. Yet I see that I come too late. Others whom the death of my lord or perhaps grieve less have already persuaded him. If I cannot undo their work, hear me at least in this, Lord. One who knows your mind and honors your command should be left in Edoras. Edoras. Approve a faithful steward. Let your counselor, Grima, keep all things till your return. And I pray that we may see it, though no wise man will deem it hopeful. Nay, Eomer, you do not fully understand the mind of Master Wormtongue, said Gandalf, turning his piercing gaze glance upon him. He is bold and cunning. Every, even now he plays a game with peril and wins a throw. Hours of my precious time he has wasted already. 
Down, Snake, he said suddenly in a terrible voice. Down on your belly. How long is it since Saruman brought you? What was the promised price? When all the men were dead, you were to pick your share of the treasure and take the woman you desire. Too long have you watched her under your eyelids and hunted, haunted her steps. Eomer grasped at his sword. That I knew already, he muttered from the hall, but there were other reasons. He stepped forward, but Gandalf stayed him with his hand. You want to stay f safe now, he said, but you, Wormtongue, you have done what uh, what you could for your true master. Some reward you have earned at least. Yet Saruman is apt to overlook his bargains. I should advise you to go quickly and remind him, lest he forget your faithful service. You lie, said Wormtongue. That word comes too often easy from your lips, said Gandalf. I do not lie. See, Theoden, here is a snake. With safety you cannot take it with you, nor can you leave it behind. To slay it would be just, but it was not always as it, it, as it is now. Once it was a man and did your service in its fashion. Give him a horse and let him go at once, wherever he chooses. By his choice you shall judge him. Do you hear this, warm tongue? said Theoden. This is your choice, to ride with me to war and let us see in battle whether you, whether you are true, or to go now, whether you will. But then, if ever we meet again, I shall not be merciful. Slowly Wormtongue rose. He looked at them with half-closed eyes. Last of all, he scanned Theoden's face and opened his mouth as if to speak. Then suddenly he drew himself up. His hands worked. His eyes glittered. Such malice was in them that men stepped back from him. He bared his teeth, and then, with a hissing breath, he spat before the king's feet, and darting to one side, he fled down the stair. After him, said Theoden, see what he does, no harm to any, but do not hurt him or hinder him. Give him a horse if he wishes it. And if any will bear him, said Eomer, one of the guards ran down the stair. Another went to the well at the foot of the terrace, and in his helm drew water. With it he washed the clean stones that Wormtongue had defiled. Now my guests, come, said Theoden. Come and take such refreshment as haste allows. They passed back into the great house. Already they heard below them in the town the heralds crying and the war horns blowing. For the king was to ride forth as soon as the men of the town and those dwelling near could be armed and assembled. At the king's board sat Eomer and the four guests and there also waiting upon the king was the lady Ewan. There they they ate and drank, waiting upon the king was the la sorry, they ate and drank swiftly. The others were silent while Theoden answered Gandalf concerning while Theoden answered while Theoden questioned Gandalf concerning Saruman. How far back has his treasury goes, who can guess, said Gandalf. He was not always evil. Once I do not doubt that he was the friend of Rohan. Even when his heart grew colder, he found you useful still, but for long now he has plotted your ruin, wearing the mask of friendship until he was ready. In those years Wormtongue's task was easy, and all that you did was swiftly known in Isengard, for your land was open and strangers came and went, and ever Wormtongue's heart, and ever Wormtongue's whispering was in your ears, poisoning your thought. Chilling your heart, weakening your limbs, while others watched and could do nothing, for your will was in his keeping. But when I escaped and warned you, and the mask was torn, for those who, who would see. After the after that, Wormtongue played dangerously, always seeking to delay you, to prevent your full strength being gathered. He was crafty, dulling men's wariness, or working on their fears, as served the occasion. Do not do you not remember how eagerly he urged that no man should be spared on a wild goose chase northward when the immediate peril was westward? He persuaded you to forbid Eomer to pursue the raiding orcs. If Eomer had not defied Wormtongue's voice speaking with your mouth, the orcs would have reached Isengard by now, bearing to a great prize. Bearing a great prize. Not indeed the pri that prize which Saruman desires above all else. But at least two members of my company, sharers of a secret hope, of which even to you, Lord, I cannot speak openly. Dare you think of what they might now be suffering, or what Saruman might have learned to our destruction? I owe much to Eomer, said Theoden. Faithful heart may have for a tongue. Say also, said Gandalf, 
to, that to crooked eyes may truth wear, wear a wry face. Indeed, my eyes were almost blind to Theoden. Most of all, I owe to you, my guest. Once again, you have come in time. I will give you a gift ere we go, at your own choosing. You have only to name aught that is mine. I reserve now only my sword. Whether I came in time or not is yet to be seen, said Gandalf. But as for your gift, Lord, I will choose one that will fit my need. Swift and sure, give me Shadowfax. He was only lent before, if lonely may call it. But now I shall ride him into great hazard, setting great hazard, setting silver against black. I would not risk anything that is not my own, and already there is a bond of love between us. You choose well, said Theoden, and I will give him now gladly. Yet it is a great gift. There is none like Shadowfax. In him one of the mighty steeds of old has returned. None such shall return again. And to you, my other guests, I will offer such things as may be found in my armory. Swords you do not need, but there are helms and coats of mail and cu of cunning work. Gifts to my fathers out of Gondor. Choose from these ere we go, and may they serve you well. Now men came bearing raiment of ward from the king's hoard, and they arrayed Argon in the glass and shining mail. Helms, too, they chose, and round shields. Their bosses were overlaid with gold and set with gems, green and red and white. Gandalf took no armor, and Gimli needed no coat of rings, even if one had been found to match his stature, for there was no hauberk in the hordes of Edoras of better make than his short corslet forged beneath the mountain in the, in the north. But he chose a cap of iron and leather that fitted well upon his round head, and a small shield he also took. It bore the running horse, white upon green. That was the emblem of the house of Earl. May it keep you well, said Theoden. It was made for me in Thingol's day, while I was still a boy. Gimli bowed. I am proud, Lord of the Mark, to bear your device, he said. Indeed, sooner I would bear a horse than be borne by one. I love my feet better, but maybe I shall come yet where I can stand and fight. It may well be so, said Theoden. The king now rose, and at once Ewan came from came forth bearing wine. Firth you, Theoden Hall, she said. Receive now this cup and drink in happy hour. Health be with thee at thy going and coming. Theoden drank from the cup, and she was proffered it and she then proffered it to the guests. As she stood before before Argon, she paused suddenly and looked upon him. Her eyes were shining and he looked down upon her fair face and smiled. But as he took the gun, his hand, sorry, but as he took the cup, his hand met hers, and he knew that she trembled at the touch. Hail Aragorn, son of Arthorn, she said. Hail Lady of Rohan, he answered, but his face now was troubled, and he did not smile. When they had all drunk, the smile went down the hall. When they had all drunk, the king went down the hall to the doors. There the guards awaited him, and Harold stood, and all the lords and chiefs were gathered together and remained in Edoras, or dwelt nearby. Behold, I go forth, and it seems like to be my last riding, said Theoden. I have no child. Theodred, my son, is slain. I name Eomer, my sister's son, to be my heir. If neither of us return, then choose a new lord as you will. But to someone I must now entrust my people that I leave behind to rule them in my place. Which of you will stay? No men spoke. Is there none whom you would name? In whom do my people in whom do my people trust? In the house of Ural Ural, answered Hama, but Eomer I cannot spare, nor would he nor would he stay, said the king, and he is the last of that house. I said not Eomer, answered Hama, and he is not the last. There is Ewan, daughter of Eomund, his sister, she is fearless and high-hearted. All love her. Let her be as lord to the Eurlingas while we are gone. It shall be so, said Theoden. Let the heralds announce to the folk that the Lady Ewan will, be, will lead them. Then the king sat upon a seat before, the door, before his doors, and Ewan knelt before him and received from him a sword and a fair corslet. Farewell, sister-daughter, he said. Dark is the hour, yet maybe we shall return to the golden hall. 
Lin Dunharo, the people may long defend themselves, and if the battle go ill, thither will come all who escape. Speak not so, she answered. A year shall I endure for every day that passes until you return. But as she spoke, her eyes went to Aragorn, who stood nearby. The king shall come again, he said. Fear not, not west but east does our doom await us. The king now went down the stair with Gandalf beside him. The others followed. Aragorn looked back as they passed towards the gate. Alone, Ewan stood before the doors of the house at the stair's head. The sword was set upright before her, and her hands were laid upon the hilt. She was clad now in mail, and shone like silver in the sun. Gimli walked with Legolas, his axe on his shoulder. Well, at last we set off, he said. Men need many words before deeds. My axe is restless in my hands, though I doubt not that these Rohirrim are fell-handed when they come to it. Nonetheless, this is not the warfare that suits me. How shall I come to battle? I wish I could walk and not bump like a sack at Gandalf's saddlebow. A safer seat than many, I guess, said Legolas. Yet doubtless Gandalf will gladly put you down on your feet when blows begin. A shadow facts himself. An axe is no weapon for a rider. And a dwarf is no horseman. It is Orknex I would hew. Not shave the scalps of men, said Gimli, patting the haft of his axe. At the gate they found a great host of men, old and young, already in the saddle. When already in the saddle, more than a thousand were there mustered were there mustered. Their spears were like a springing wood. Loudly and joyously they shouted as Theoden came forward. Some held in readiness the king's horse, Snowmane, and the others held the horses of Argorn and Legolas. Gimli stood at Gimli stood ill at ease, frowning, but Eomer came up to him, leading his horse. Hail, Gimli glowing son, he cried. I have not had time to learn gentle speech under your rod, as you promised, but shall we not put beside our quarrel? At least I will speak no evil again of the Lady of the Wood. I will forget my wrath for a while, Eomer, son of Eomund, said Gimli. But if ever you chance to see the Lady Gladriel with your eyes, then you shall acknowledge her the fairest of ladies, or our friendship will end. So be it, said Eomer. But until that time, pardon me, and in token of pardon, ride with me, I beg. Gandalf will be at the head with the Lord of the Mark. But Firefoot, my horse, will bear us both, if you will. I thank you indeed, said Gimli, greatly pleased. I will gladly go with you, if Legolas, my comrade, may ride beside us. It shall be so, said Eomer. Legolas upon my left, and Aragorn upon my right, and none will dare to stand before us. Where is Shadowfax? said Gandalf. Running wild over the grass, they answered. He will let no man handle him. There he goes, away down by the ford, like a shadow among the willows. Gandalf whistled and called aloud the horse's name, and far away he tossed his head and neighed, and turning sped towards the host like an arrow. Were the breath of the west wind to take a body visible, even so it would appear, said Eomer, as the great horse ran up until he stood before the wizard. The gift seems already to be given, said Theoden, but hearken all, here now I name my guest, Gandalf Graham, wisest of counselors. Most welcome of wanderers, a lord of the mark, a chieftain of the yearling guests, while our kin shall last, and I give to him Shadowfax, prince of horses. I thank you, Theoden King, said Gandalf. Then suddenly he threw back his great cloak and cast aside his hat, and leaped to horseback. He wore nor, no helm nor mail. His snowy, hair fell his snowy hair flew free in the wind. His red robe shone dazzling in the sun. Behold the white rider, cried Aragorn, and all took up the words. Our king and the white rider, they shouted, forth yearling ass. The, the trumpets sounded, the horses reared and neighed, spear clashed on shield. Then the king raised his hand, and with a rush like the sudden onset of a great wind, the last host of Rohan rode thundering into the west. Far over the plain, Ewan saw the glitter of their spears as she stood still, alone before the doors of the silent house.